Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to a brand new episode of Colton Classic Podcast. This is the podcast where we bring you two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and talk about them both with a critical eye. I am your host, film critic and comedian Nate Wyckoff. Uh, this is part two of princess problems last week we talked about uh, the seminal 1987 film the princess bride uh, i will probably get stoned to death for saying some of the things but overall we all really love that film this film is another childhood uh favorite for many although it did have a, a moment in the sun it's from 1991 but it has fallen into obscurity it is the animated film, The Princess and the Goblin. Uh, it's billed as being the first feature-length film made in Wales. Again, I'm. it's one of the early ones. I don't know if that's truly the case. If it was the first, it seems quite late in the game, but, um, you know, stranger things have happened. So this movie is uh, sort of a rarity to reach um, the big screens in U.S. as an animated film that is not from a big studio it's it was not a disney film uh dreamworks was not really uh, prevalent at the time but uh it's it's not a don bluth film it's not a ralph bakshi film uh it is it is uh it, it was made in wales um by others who uh had were much more well known to english audiences so this movie how do i how do i even start it's it's based off a book uh, by George MacDonald, a fairy tale um, <clears throat> called The Princess and the Goblin, I believe. And th the story is that there's a princess. Her dad has gone a lot doing matters of state. Um, she doesn't have a mother. We're not really in the film told much about that. But uh, she does have a negligent, doofy uh, nursemaid kind of character named Ludie. Uh, Ludie is voiced by a, a well-known british actress um who uh actually everybody who does voice work in this is well known um from their work in britain but molly sugjan uh was in are you being served uh she's she's in that series and very noticeable in that series but she basically constantly is losing uh the princess and the princess ends up going in the woods one day and being uh hunted by creatures these otherworldly creatures and they're goblin monsters basically they're not goblins but they're like goblin pets um and she's saved by a young boy uh and curdy is his name peter murray voiced him 
and then the princess goes back to her castle where at night she's visited by the sort of remnant guardian spirit of her grandmother who says basically uh, i'm here to help you until i'm not <laughs> and when i'm not here you'll be able to survive on your own is essentially the, the clue then uh curdy has to go save the princess because what happens she is abducted by goblins um and she is abducted then she escapes the goblins and has to go back to get curdy right and curdy is trying to say to his dad who is a miner that the goblins are going to flood the tunnels uh and the goblins actually have this weird this like crazy two-part plan they're going to flood the tunnels to get all of the people out because they hate the people so kill all the people and then the prince of the goblins prince froglip uh, is going to then steal and marry the princess, uh, Princess Irene, because if she if he does that, then he'll rule over the humans and he can make them do whatever they want and they'll be slaves for them in the mines. So they want them out of the mines, but then they want to marry him off and get them back to work in the mines. It's a little convoluted, um, but you know, as these things often are, I guess. And uh, at the end, they defeat the goblins the mines are flooded, but the people are safe because they redirected the flood. So all of the goblins are washed sort of out of the tunnels into the castle, which seems problematic at first, but then they're brushed out like the window off of a cliff. Um, and then happily ever after. Did I get it right? I mean, that's pretty much what happens, right? I don't know why I can't hear you, Tad. Uh, but anyway, hopefully you guys heard that. Um, it sounded like the affirmative. Uh, that is basically what happened and so i enjoy this movie i would say that probably the animation style um it's nicely animated there it's obviously a smaller team so it does look more mandy who couldn't be here uh today for this episode but she said it reminded her of like a saturday morning cartoon it is a bit of that level for a lot of it um and that's um it's not a symbol of lack of skill, lack of manpower, though, right? Um, it's why often if you see the TV version of a show, like, say, the Aladdin um, series on Disney Channel uh, that followed the, the film, um, you kind of, that was of a lower quality animation, obviously, than the feature film Aladdin. Same thing, right? Less money, less people. Um, but I think they did a serviceable job. But it feels more like a Don Bluth kind of movie than it does a disney film a little rough around the edges a little bit more gritty choices on occasion uh that that wouldn't have flown i think in a in a disney flick um or would they or would they yeah i, I don't <laughs> think so i mean we're not talking about casual racism here we're talking about uh uh uh, uh we're talking about um a a distinct i this is just the vibe I got, Nate, but a, a distinct feel that there is like a uh, a, a simmering uh, layer of incest going on, one and two, yeah. pretty blatant uh, implementation uh, implications of goblin rape. Like, am, am I wrong here? But that's the vibe I got. Uh, like, not goblin I on goblin, goblin on human. Oh, Goblin on Human with the, yeah, possibly. So Mandy brought this up because of course I asked her, I was like, cause she watched the movie. I was like, hey, do you have any thoughts you want to share? And one thing we talked about a little bit, or at least I brought up in Princess Bride is this sort of, it sounds like not the book, but the film, there's this um, 
intimate closeness between Prince Humperdinck and his right-hand man, the Count, that it seems like it could be read as a, a sort of a coded gay relationship because uh, Humperdinck's not interested in the most beautiful woman in the world, which is the princess that he's supposed to marry. Um, he really has no interest. He's also kind of, I guess in the US we would call it foppish. It tends to be an insult leveled at English people, but um, I, I don't mean it so much as that, but very, but debonair, a little, a feminine just not very much of the machismo element that we're used to in like the you know he's not Stallone right it's it's not that's not what we're looking at and that's common in western film and fiction is to feminize the villain um because we don't appreciate femininity and hopefully we're improving but it's our government certainly hasn't caught up now i bring that up because the prince the 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 one that is supposed to be the new evil uh, savior of the goblins uh, because they used to live on the surface, which is a common thought about goblins, right? They used to live on the surface and they've been shoved below so long that they've no longer, they've lost any sense of humanity and they only have one toe, except for the queen who has five toes, like a human, which they don't really address. Um, the prince, Prince Froglip is presented in a, as very much queer, like very, very gay. Uh, and to the point where it's quite insulting. Um, and they take it further by the fact that he's going to marry the queen, but what he really wants to do is torture Curdy, the young mining boy. Um, it, he, he presses quite hard for it. Um, and he gets, he's very excited when his mother says, after we do X, Y, and Z, you can do whatever you want with him. And he's even got this moment of like, whatever I want, blah, 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 and he's spitting uh, and stuff. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's very much wild. And, uh, it's like it's a hard. genocidal Daffy Duck. Yeah, he is. Um, and I, he's, his voice, um, is done by a very, very talented and crazy playing um uh rick mayall who people will remember as drop dead fred uh from the film drop dead fred uh fred the being the imaginary friend with all the crazy practical effects uh of him getting smushed in things and hit with pans and whatnot anyway uh again great english cast on this but the incest part you bring up is also fascinating because uh okay Tad, you've given some thoughts on this. Before I jump into full-on incest discussion, Jeff, what was your take on this film? Uh, what were you expecting versus what did you get? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I was really expecting. Um, I, I'd never heard of it. I clicked on the video and it opened, and then I, I didn't even know it was going to be like an animated film. Um, I actually thought the film was just the Goblin. Uh, I didn't know that there was the the princess before I had uh, entered the video, so I had no Colton expectations. Cl Colton Classic Podcast. We always do our due diligence. <laughs> this is this is another instance of Jeff Jeff clicks something and goes, God damn it, Nate. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I I think that uh, at at first uh, when I when I they got to the title in the film, I thought that the the goblin was going to be uh like a character that was you know not one-dimensional and like we were going to have a you know two two characters going through some some sort of arc um and it just 
I guess I was surprised throughout the whole film that it was just, it just never happened. I was like waiting for that character to show up. Um, but no, it was just the wait, goblins are just wait, angry little creatures. You were waiting for um, nuance in a fairy tale? Well, y- you know, I mean. You can hold out hope. It, this this movie's not that old. <laughs> but the book's no, old. I, the book is old. I guess yeah. I totally agree with you, though. Now, again, I actually like this movie. Um, but it is very much. Um. It's very one-dimensional, as you said. Um, and it's specifically because there seem to be elements of a deeper meaning. For example, you can really see that they're, I mean, the goblins might have a point to be angry, right? Because they were seeming, it does hint at the fact that they were people that were forced to live underground because they have, you know, the queen uh, is the only one that wears shoes and she wears them presumably to hide the fact that she has five toed like toes like the dreaded humans um and we'll also talk about and then there's the class idea because the the queen is the only one that gets shoes which is also meaningful because the only place that the goblins are vulnerable is their feet so um the humans spend their time stepping on the goblins feet to defeat them um I think that that is that in and of itself is a very interesting story. Uh, and if this were to be made again or made into a live action, I would imagine that's what would be explored. Mm, uh, is yeah, this, I agree. But, yeah, yeah. Um, we also, but but otherwise, I mean, the the goblins are disgusting and vile. They're really they they um, particularly they also abuse their animal companions. Um, they're very cruel to the big dino creature that hauls the the barrels or something, and so he ends up helping Curdy, who is kind to him. Um, there's a scene which definitely wouldn't make it in Disney, where there's well maybe some of the shorts back in the day, but there's a a scene where there's a dog barking right at a like a, a goblin dog. They're all they're all weird versions of of common animals um, barking at Curdy, who's trying to be sneaky. Uh, I think it's Curdy uh, and we get the silhouette of the goblin opening the door, grabbing the dog by the tail, holding it upside down and punching and kicking it as it says, tells him to shut up and be quiet. Uh, It's not really played to seriousness, but it's a very, it's sort of like watching um, the honeymooners now, you know, and having the illusions to spousal abuse. Like you're like, Oh, this was funny to somebody at one point. Um, And also it shows that the goblins are pretty much trash. Um, I mean, we might as well now, I mean, I could fully support a redubbing of this where we're just, you know, the goblins are just MAGA fans. Uh, It would probably fit them all, but we get a a relatively one note thing. The other thing, the princess is quite whiny. And I didn't really talk about this in the princess bride, but one of the issues that I had with the scene, um, which I should love, uh, because I love monster costumes is the R-O-U-S, the rodents of unusual size, is that's the only scene where Princess Buttercup is pretty much the damsel in distress who also complains. And that's a very annoying role that I'm very happy to see disintegrating in our in our cultural lexicon. Um, it, it's, it's not good for women and it's not good for storytelling. Um, and this princess does that quite a bit. She cries very easily. Um, some kids cry very easily. I, I, I am a very emotional uh, adult, uh, so I can identify with it to a point. 
but um, she kind of gives up pretty, pretty quick. Uh, I have a little bit higher bar and I think most people would when impending death uh, or uh, molestation by goblin is ensuing. I, I would probably have a little bit more uh, tolerance and a wherewithal for hardship. That said, um, you mentioned the incest, Tad, which is, it's, yes, there is no actual incest. It's, it's implied simply because of the way the language is shaped and the way the Goblin Queen talks. Yeah, so the Like hus- she's the having goblin... orgasms talking about her child. The Goblin King is um, actually very much like in The Princess Bride is like this uh, ultimate goober, quiet, addle-brained, incompetent um and uh pushed aside uh by by in princess bride it was his his son and in this one it's uh by the queen the goblin queen who really feels like the ultimate villain because her son has the idea to marry the princess but he also seems completely insane um and she is bonkers crazy uh, as far, I mean, whichever, all the goblins are just off their rocker in this. Uh, a really, really, ins- I, I don't, insane, like, I know that it's not, it's not proper to use the term crazy anymore because, you know, people with mental illness, well, as someone who suffers from mental illness, like most of uh, the world, I will say this, they are presented in a way that is not sensical. Um, and part of that not sensicalness is having like this very uncomfortable beyond mama's boy vibe to the queen and son. Um, and it also it's just kind of gross because they're always slobbering and spitting, especially Prince Froglip. Very, very uh, saliva fixated <laughs> animation. And um, and I, I don't know, like it's gross like they're presented as gross right like it's and and you just everything about it can i ask though again i haven't read the book that this is based off of but did anybody understand why the king wears like a giant drain plug on his head made out of stone and then when he goes to bed there's a hook above him where he hooks the top of it and then can lay down and like be out of it does anybody get that i I just thought it looked like a giant like the old bathtub drain yeah exactly and i'm like yeah but is like is that supposed to be a reference to the flooding that they do and it like it never came up again no and 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 the fact that they literally went to all the effort of like designing a a system in the bed the canopy bed that he and the (laughs) queen and occasionally the prince jumps in there too at one point uh to make things extra weird uh it's like yeah, it's it's just weird. The whole thing is real strange. Um, I I don't know what else to really say about this. This is one of those movies where, and I think Jeff, you kind of hit the nail on the head. There's lots of potential for a deeper discussion, but there really isn't. There doesn't seem to be any content beneath the surface. Um, I mean, we could write s- our own version of it, but yeah, there was nothing in the yeah, film that. I, it feels Tad, Tad's got something. <laughs> I would say that one of the things that got me, and it kind of goes to your point, Jeff, also, is the goblins, it felt like a class war. Um, because the not only is Princess Irene's love interest like a, a, a peasant, essentially, but he makes it very clear to her that she doesn't know anything about the world because she lives in a castle. 
Um, and he says, he has this great line that just completely shuts her up. Like when they first meet and I'm trying to remember exactly what the line is, but it's along the lines of like, <laughs> okay, princess. Like, you know, it's, he's like, practically, excuse me, princess. Yeah. He's practically giving her air quotes. Um, and I, I mean, I liked that, right? Because we're, we're getting the, the actual narrator at the beginning is the King, uh, Irene's father um basically saying uh are you know i would never have left on my matters of state had i known my daughter would have been in such danger um but it gives you the opinion that maybe he's not the greatest king uh because curdy sure doesn't give two craps about the about the, the royalty uh it's very interesting um I mean, that quickly fades away when he's like, I have to save her, you know, and like, I have to stop. But he, even then, his main goal for most of it is to save the miners. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But Tad, you were holding up your finger a moment ago. What 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 have you to say? Okay, for one, I love how you use the term matters of state as if that dude was not going off to chop off a bunch of peasant heads while he, while he was away. Because <laughs> that's what matters of state meant in those days. And also, I just, I, I instantly got it in my head because the Goblin Queen and her giant goblin titties remind me of the album cover or the back of the album cover for Lost Exorcisto, Get Rob Zombie to write and get the artwork done for a retelling of this. It would be phenomenal. It probably would be phenomenal. I'd actually like to see that. Um, yes, she has she has the comically large breasts often given to uh, heavy people, in, heavy women in animated movies. Yeah, but um, I don't understand this thing. And it seems to be a theme in the 80s and 90s. They take like hideous characters and then just bolt on like massive <laughs> yeah. bits to it as yeah. if like, like, but why? Why did you do yeah, this? I, I don't... <laughs> I guess, I guess what we're getting at is that, and it's probably partly why I like this film. One, I love animation. I really do. I, I, it's, if I were to pick something about movies that I love the most, it's, it's, these, it's animation in any kind, whether it's the whole film or part of the film. Um, but I would say there's like this underlying vibe of kink in this, like something that something's not right uh, or not normal throughout the film. Um, and it's partial. It's heavily because of the goblins and the fact that they're bizarre, and they take the fact that they they make this just very. Um, I'm trying to find the right word. It's a primal, um, like with all the the spit and saliva and and screaming, um, sort of a cavemanish quality, like the 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 id of humans, right? They give them that element. That's the entirety of goblins, uh, and so it makes it feel like the people and this is where i'm getting into the sort of we can make some up but no but it gives the feeling that like the civilized people are the humans and the and the the goblins are like all of those all of the things we're not supposed to be as humans um and i think I do think that's probably, it's very possibly an element in uh, the original novel, fairy tale. If anybody is actually familiar with it, feel free to write in and let us know, because as we know, uh, this day and age, fairy tales have been studied heavily and very often have uh, subversive, uh, anti-government, anti-royalist sentiments, <laughs> depending on where they came from. So uh, I could see that. 
I could see that being uh, a case. I also want to mention too, we get there's I there's some things I did really like. I liked, you know, how Curdy is sort of sassy to the to the princess because why wouldn't he? I mean, an adult would probably defer to her, but he doesn't, right? Um, he's like says it how it probably really is. And then we also get um the the fact that the dad the, the king um believes his daughter when she says the goblins are going to try or they're going to attack the castle. Like no one else even is believing goblins are real. And she's trying to convince them and Ludi, right? Uh, and so is Curdy trying to convince the guards, the goblins are coming. They're going to try and steal the princess. And none of, they're all like goblins. Bleh. And then she goes to her dad. She has to fight through her nurse, her maid to get to her dad. And is like, they, they're coming. And he's like, of course I believe you. And like instantly triples the guard and does all these things. And I'm like, wow, it took this movie for people to be like, yeah, believe your kids, <laughs> right? Like all I thought was how many times have we seen a movie or a book or something where they're like, there's a monster in my closet. I'm like, yeah, go to bed, honey. Or like the swim coach is touching me. And they're like, yeah, go, you know, shut up and go to finals. You know, like all these horrible <laughs> things where the kids are never believed. And finally in this of all movies, the queen goes to her dad or the princess goes to her dad and says, dad, monsters that people think are fake are going to attack and try and steal me. And he's like, I fucking got you. Not, like, only that, not only that, he's like, you saw a ghost. Oh shit. Yeah. Like, and yeah, she's like, I saw the ghost of my grandmother. And he's like, really? Wow. She's like, did you ever see him? And he's like, no, <laughs> like he's just totally believes her. And I'm like, <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Like that was made me super happy. Cause first off it's like, and I know why a lot of movies do it and a lot of books do the same, right? Because if that moment had come 30 minutes into the movie, the movie would have ended at 40 minutes, right? In this case, it just goes and it ends, you know, that that's that's up to the climax. You know, the climax is next and then there's action. Um, we get the very much Beauty and the Beast moment too in this one where uh, the goblins are defeated, except Prince Froglip shows up and he's like, I'm going to kill the king, blah, 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 or the Curdy and steal the princess and whatever. Uh, and then he gets knocked to his death. It's very Gaston stabbing uh, the beast on the balcony. Um, yeah, I think that's probably what there is to be said about this movie, uh, except for recommendations. I am going to say... I will I will parallel this in a way it reminded me of a a grungier but very much it reminded me of the uh Japanese stop motion film that we watched for Christmas. Um, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, same and, and you guys yeah, you guys can go back and listen to that because it's it's fairy tale but it's also very odd. Like there's this I don't exactly know if I can put into into good description why I got that, but it's just it's like it's like an American film, and you're like, this should seem familiar, but it doesn't. It's just a little off in a way um that I'm not expecting. And part of that is probably why I enjoyed it. Um, but it is very much the sort of off kilter, you know, if there is a Disney film that's closest, it would probably be the Black Cauldron. Um, but I think that's much more that's a more intense film. Um, I do think it's a prettier film, but again, different, you know, bigger studio. I think that they went for, for the first 
big feature to come out of Wales, if, if not the first. Again, I don't think it's the first, even though that's been bandied around. Um, but I think it's it's solid, and I hope it made them their money back uh, because it it was it was entertaining. It was very much um, like a princess and uh, not princess and the frog, excuse me, a, a Thumbelina, right? Like very much a. It was the kind of like not as serious, but secret of Nim, right? Like it's this kind of offbeat uh, animated feature rather than uh, a more easily recognizable Disney or even, you know, even Don Bluth, although there's nothing recognizable about Rock and Doodle. I, I wish that Don Bluth had done this instead. It would have been even uh, it, weirder. It, it would have been, it would have been straight up upsetting. I, I know this for a fact. Um, <laughs> it would have been straight animated. up upsetting. Yes. Uh, so, so I, I appreciate this. And actually the director uh, and the crew did go on to, to continue to work on animated features um, uh, in Britain and, and uh, did quite well. So I, I, for a while at least. So I appreciate that. Uh, I recommend this if you're interested into in uh, animated fantasies, uh, you're not going to be blown away with a twisting plot or anything but it's it's unique and i always appreciate when some small studio gets a film distributed uh, especially in the in the uh, early 90s that wasn't disney or uh, backed by you know mgm or something of that nature a big studio jeff would you recommend the princess and the goblin 1991 if so why and who um not really um I would I would come down to like so you know when you have like your like sweet or like your like kind of um, your your heroic moments or you know whatever whatever the positive elements that are in these things uh, don't come off that well like the the singing to make uh, the the creatures run away <laughs> yeah. it's like never pleasant it like it doesn't feel uh, good it like doesn't it never made me like smile i was just like okay when's this going to be over like yeah this I'm isn't like, a musical but like there a... is one song and it's not very listenable yeah so i'm like i'm almost like i'm becoming the goblins like yeah please just stop <laughs> <laughs> but like and then like the the kind of the the bad elements the negative where usually it'd be like comical or like there'd be some sort it would make you laugh or um um or you feel something like nervous or you, it just it's it's just annoying like those parts are just annoying like the goblins are unpleasant and i it, it's just like okay get these goblins off of my screen and so there's never really a point where i was like all right i'm 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 comfortable and i'm enjoying myself except with the sweet like uh beast of burden creature thing i yeah. didn't i did enjoy uh enjoy that but that was that was basically the only moment where it was only in um, two scenes and they were very brief. Yeah. Um, like I, I imagine like if this was made today, like you'd have like, I don't know, they'd be like, this town is cursed. They've uh, uh, you know, some witch came by and like stripped everybody of all their emotions. And now their emotions are like in these creatures that are like running rampant and they, you know, they're, uh, you know, obviously not, connecting well because you know you have like kind of like logic versus you know the insanity of the you know as you mentioned the id like versus the um uh you know the rest of the mind and then like you know eventually you come to some sort of conclusion where you need both of them to like live like a you know 
a full life or whatever like and that then, rick and morty episode where they get their negativity sucked out and it becomes a separate being and yeah, yeah. i missed that episode but that sounds like yeah it's like so there'd be some sort of way that like um these 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 uh two could um come together in some sort of interesting way or or be uh opposed in some sort of interesting way instead of just being like oh the goblins are just angry little monsters and uh the the people are the good guys and we want you know it's just like it's just it's completely uninteresting um i'm not i actually like i do i can enjoy things where you just have like a good guy and a bad guy and there's just stuff happens but in this case it's just uh it, it for me it does that that format doesn't even work well um, and it's missing the lesson right there's usually a lesson or something you can draw from these kind of fairy tales it's almost a parable right i, I yeah. know fairy tale doesn't necessarily have to have a lesson but we expect them as though in a parable and there isn't one here that is is clearly defined it's almost like it could be you know uh the grandmother only helps until the princess takes care of herself and then she doesn't need her anymore it could be like believe in yourself or growing up but it's just never solidified um yeah so i can i can definitely see that no lesson i mean i guess like if if like the the goblins were funny you know like the music was <laughs> was you know was emotional and you know touched <laughs> your 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 heart you know like maybe it would have worked but like it, it just it like none of those things um connected with me fair enough all right tad uh would you recommend the princess and the goblin 1991 and if so why and to who on the next episode of jeffrey writes the movies <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> no I don't recommend this movie. My, I can't. I, I was watching this a few days ago, and my wife came home and saw the last five minutes and went, "I curse the name of every animator and every person who wrote the music for this." And uh, <laughs> no, I would instead, I would recommend. Um, actually, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid is Little Nemo: Adventures in Slumberland, which was written by Chris Columbus. Yes, that is a brilliant movie based, of course, uh, off the the famed comic books by Windsor Smith. Um, that is great. I'm sure we'll tackle it at some point. Uh, I may or may not have it on the shelf next to me. And <clears throat> I, I, I want to say I finally remembered a film that this did remind me of. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the word. What was uh, it was in the, the mid 90s. It had dang it it's gonna be right in my head it's quest it's like quest for camelot quest for camelot um it reminded me a little bit of quest for camelot in that i enjoyed it very much but i even at the time i was like i don't think this is a good movie um like there's just it's got the pieces yeah 1998's quest for camelot it's got the pieces for a big movie but it's not a good movie um, and I think for the reasons mentioned, it's missing the depth. Um, there's no clear lesson. It's missing the depth. And because it's missing the depth, you're really uh, watching things unfold rather than um, rooting for them to unfold a certain way. Um, so but I get that. But I, I personally, again, recommend this film. Uh, I think I do think kids will probably enjoy this movie, like young children enjoy it more than adults because it doesn't have that extra layer of character development uh, and internal growth that we have come to expect from, you know, thanks to things like Pixar's films. Yeah, kids also like things that would like annoy might be like, 
just absolutely delightful for them like sure. know, for whatever reason yeah and and i don't i mean you can always argue that they'll internalize the uh anti the anti-queer um element of the the gross villain being very gay but i also i think in this case it's it's that's a fairly adult reading of the character i think most kids will probably see him as a screaming angry drooling monster rather than um someone who wants to torture boys uh and and uh has a weird closeness with his uh hypersexualized mother like i i don't think that that's going to be um something that kids come away with but again i mean I, <laughs> I, we can say that all we want but what persists in our society uh anti-feminism uh so and femininity so who knows uh, but anyway that's uh, a wrap on part two of princess problems listen to part one if you missed it on the princess bride 1987 and thank you for listening here uh about the princess and the goblin from 1991 and next week we'll have a brand new pairing for you and i cannot wait to bring it please Follow us on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast. Go to our website, coltsandclassicpodcast.com. Sign up for our forthcoming newsletter, which will have all sorts of cool things. Um, book reviews, movie reviews, neat factoids about movies, all these things. Um, and uh, uh, the wonderful thing about podcasting is when is when you lose your voice for a second and then you just sound like a frog. It's great. Any who's it? <laughs> now I'm hiccuping. Dang it. Almost made it. Please follow us, rate us wherever you get your podcast. Leave us all the stars. It's how people find us. Definitely tell your friends. Um, if you hate the podcast, tell your enemies. And I want to say thank you again for all the listeners. Be on the lookout for the amazing things we have coming. I say this every year, but it's true. We have a really big reveal coming uh, probably early next year. And I can't wait for you guys to join us on the journey. Um, but rest assured, Colton Classic Podcast is here to stay. Thank you to our guests. And to play us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.